It is Easter, and I am so thankful that you've chosen to either be here with us or to join us live on Facebook. I know you've had a, a very trying several weeks. It just seemed, it, it seems like this has gone on forever, even though it's only been maybe three weeks or so, four weeks, something like that. But it is Easter, and nothing can stop our celebration. We may not be able to meet in person in the same building, but boy, we can come together and celebrate Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about. And as I was preparing for Easter, uh, we're in this a, a new series that we started last week uh, called Feed Your Mind. This, this message goes right in along with what we preached last week and what we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks about dealing with the struggles that we're going through, dealing with the emotional and the mental uh, struggles that we're facing right now. Uh, if you're going to deal, people deal with it in many different ways. I mean, I've, I, I've seen so many, uh, so many different things going on. As I go to the grocery store with a mask on, right? My wife makes me wear a mask. And uh, I've, it's probably the best thing for me to wear a mask, save people from seeing my face. Anyway, uh, but as I go, I've seen many people, many guys in the grocery store. And there's in our neighborhood, people walking their dogs. And I've seen, I've talked to so many guys that I work out with at the gym and they've got that look on their face and they look at me and they say, man, I miss the gym. And I say the same thing. Yes, I miss the gym. And there's a, there's a brotherhood of missing the gym. And that's how some, many people deal. And I've seen so many gyms now that have started, they have their own app now. They've, they've come up with their own, their own app so you can do classes. Um, just so you know, I don't do Zumba, okay? Um, I'm sure if there were more people here, that would be a bigger laugh. But uh, I, don't do, I don't do those classes. Um, I miss the weights. I miss those, those kind of things. And many of the ways we used to deal with our stress and our struggles are not available to us right now. So we have to find ways to deal with what we're going through. We have to, we have to find ways to deal with the fear that so many people are facing, the, the anxiety, the stress, the overload. And I believe that as believers, as followers of Jesus, or quite honestly, as human beings, period, if we're going to learn how to deal with these things in a way that truly matters, for our lives and for eternity, it has to start at the very beginning. And there's a great song that was on the radio, Christian radio, last year, and uh, many people still sing it. We still crank it up in our, our car in my pickup truck because it's a pickup truck song when you, when you play it. It's called uh, Chain Breaker. And uh, this morning's message is titled The Chain Breaker because as, Chris, as human beings, we have a resource that can break the chains of sin in our life. And as, a, as followers of Christ, we have a chain breaker that can break the chains of fear and stress and anxiety. Second Peter chapter 2, beginning of verse 19, says, They promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption, since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them. Let me say that again. People are enslaved to whatever defeats them. For if, having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these things and defeated, the last state is worse for them than the first. What Peter is saying there is, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, 
And you have been given eternal life. And we're going to be talking about that here in this message some later on. If you've been freed from the chains of sin through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and accepting his, him as your Savior, if you've, been, if you've been freed from those chains, yet you allow something to take you back into fear and defeat you by drawing your attention away from Jesus Christ, then the, the, the chains that you're in now are doubly hard, doubly strong. Because now you've rejected the power that, you are, that is available to you in your life to break those chains and to live above it. As we've said several times already this morning, this is Easter Sunday, the day that those of us are, who are Christians celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Three days before this, Jesus was crucified for the sins of the world. Hebrews 10, 12 tells us that he offered one sacrifice for sins forever. Gabriel came to me this morning and uh, he said, just out of the blue, he said, Daddy, were the two guys that were killed on the crosses with Jesus bandits? <laughs> I've never heard it put that way. I said, they were thieves. Yeah, buddy. They, they were guys that had done wrong, but Jesus hadn't done anything wrong. And it opened a door to talk to my son about Jesus, and it was amazing to me the things that he shared uh, that he knew about the crucifixion and about the life of Jesus. After Jesus died on the cross, he was placed in a tomb, but the Bible clearly tells us that the power of God is stronger than the power of death, stronger than the power of the grave, and that Jesus left that tomb on Easter morning. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 and 55, we're told that death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? And in Revelation 1.18, Jesus was speaking to John on the Isle of Patmos when he gave him the revelation that we read in the book of Revelation. And he said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of death and hell. There's a lot of fear and anxiety in our world today. Lots of unrest and lots of discouragement. As I was reading, I read that phone calls to the National Disaster Distress Hotline have spiked 891% this week alone. 891%. Last week I shared with you statistics on suicide prevention hotlines and crisis lines. And the numbers are staggering, people that are calling in. People are looking for answers and hope and they're not getting it. Because quite honestly, folks, hope and answers aren't found in a check from the government. This morning, I want to talk to you about hope. <clears throat> Maybe this entire issue is causing you to feel stress and anxiety in ways that you never have before. Maybe your fear is starting to overwhelm you and you're struggling with seeing light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe this has scared you to death for your health, for your finances, for your family, and maybe even for your life. How do you deal with this? We talk a lot about facing your fears and <clears throat> putting faith over fears. As Christians, we're the masters of the catchphrase, right? Put faith over fear. We even, have you seen the t-shirt on Facebook? There, you can buy it. It's got faith and a line and then fear. Faith over fear. 
We, we do all these, we, we, we make all these, these phrases up and we've got all these cute sayings, but what do they really mean? What does it really mean to put faith over fear? If there was ever a time in the course of, uh, in the course of history, in the modern age, to put faith over fear, it is now. It's right now. How do you do that if you've never done it before? How do you do it if you don't understand? And if you don't know Jesus in a personal way, how do you do that? How are you handling this? And what in the world does talking like this about it all have to do with Easter? Listen to these verses. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. In Psalm 94, 19, David wrote, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. First John 4, verse 18, we use this verse a lot. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Psalm 34, verse 4, David says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Isaiah 43, 1, says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. First Peter three fourteen says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. And in Mark five thirty six, Jesus had, had, was in the middle of a, a healing session. The woman with the issue of blood had just reached up and touched his, his, his robe and was healed. And a centurion, a, a leader came to Jesus and he was trying to find Jesus because his daughter was sick and he, she was deathly sick. And as he was trying to push through to Jesus, one of his servants said, Master, don't trouble him at all. Don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter is dead. His daughter had died before he could get to Jesus with his request. And in Mark 5, 36, the Bible says, Jesus overheard what they said. And Jesus overhearing what they said, told, that, told him, do not be afraid, just believe. Do not be afraid, just believe. You know what happened? Jesus went to that house and he raised that little girl from the dead. And an amazing blessing was brought into that family. I think those words of Jesus right now are so powerful and so important for us right now because we're gripped by fear. So many are gripped by fear and it's showing, isn't it? It's showing. Nerves are being frayed. Tempers are getting very, very short. People are, are, are complaining and people are, are blasting each other. I, I was listening to uh, one of the governors who was being criticized for not, uh, for, for not putting harsher orders in place for his, his state. And he was interviewed on TV and he, they said, well, why don't you think you need to put those orders in place? And he said, because I believe peer pressure is stronger than government 
interference. And I thought, how appropriate, because when I go on Facebook, you can call it whatever you want. I call it like virus shaming, right? People, have you walked into a store without a mask on? Man, if looks could kill. Luckily, I look like a criminal. <laughs> People would attack me. It's amazing. And the, the pressure here in our own town, I'll go ahead and say it, Aaron, because Aaron pointed it out to me. In our own town, the car wash has been shut down. The automatic car wash that you go through and never talk to anybody has been shut down. Not because the business wanted to shut down, they were allowed to stay open, but because so many people cried out about, what are you doing keeping the car wash open with the virus? Okay, I, 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 won't, I won't talk about whether I think that's what I think about that, but I'm, what I'm, my point is this, peer pressure is so strong right now. And, and the, the attacking of other people towards others because people are terrified. It's not because people want to control however other people live their lives. Fear is so powerful and so potent in our society right now. Yet Jesus says to us as followers of his, as children of his, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. <laughs> what do all these verses have in common and why did I read them? Because all of these verses were written by people who had a personal relationship with God. They all knew what it was like to struggle with fear. They all knew what it was like to feel anxiety, to feel hopelessness and doubt. But they all also knew that God had offered them hope and a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, his son. And that relationship gave them hope. It wasn't that they no longer faced these issues in their lives. That's the thing. I think one of the, one of the best and most enduring statements, so those catchphrases that, uh, that I, I see and, and we've had for generations now, is Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Right? We, we don't not experience life. We experience life. We experience anxiety. We experience the fear of tripping over a stool. We experience, uh, we experience stress. We experience difficulties. We experience all these things. We have, we have a, a system set up. Our, our Pete uh, Goudreau, our, our deacon over uh, family matters in the church, has came to me and has, try, has started this, this fund you can give to to help people who are in need for groceries right now. We don't want you to fear going without food, especially if you have children. We want you to know that we're here and we'll help. Because there's no need to give in to fear and to, to lose, uh, lose faith because of that. As followers of Christ, we know that there is hope in Jesus Christ, or we should know. It's, it's not that we don't see, that we don't face these things. It's that we see, if we're doing it right, we see a big picture. We see a big picture plan in everything that we're going through. And we have confidence that God was and is going to work everything out for our benefit. That's what these men and women who wrote these verses that we read were all about. They knew that God had a big picture plan for their lives. And they knew that if they just see it through, if they just follow and give their fear to Christ, give their fear and put their faith in him, he would see them through. In fact, the first verses I wrote, I read to you, Romans 8, uh, were written by 
Uh, Paul, in, in Romans 8, 28, Paul said this, For we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. If we truly have faith in God, we know that everything that happens in our life is working for our benefit, for our good. God wants to work something good in your life from what you're going through right now. Listen, I don't know, <clears throat> I don't know what God wants to do in me through this time in the virus, uh, of this virus going through our country. I don't know what God wants to do in your life, but I know that God has a plan. And I'm doing my dead level best personally. I'll, I'll be very frank and very honest. You can ask Aaron, because we talk about this all the time. I'm not a bit worried. I'm not a bit afraid. It, does, it, it concerns me. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to get sick. Are you kidding me? I don't like the flu. I don't like being sick. I don't like being in the hospital. Nobody does. I don't want to see my family get sick. I don't want to see my friends. Nobody does. But I know this, and I believe this with all my heart, that no matter what comes into my life, God knows, God is in control, and God has a plan. And if I will just give, oh, give myself over to him, if I will take my concern, and if I had fear, give him that fear. If I had anxiety over it, give him that anxiety. God would, would take that and would turn it into hope and would allow me to see that there is a bigger picture and a bigger plan going on right now. <laughs> but that's for a whole nother, whole nother message. But how does that work? How do you get to the place that, uh, the, that place of peace, that place of confidence, that place of inner strength that gives you the courage to stand up and, and the endurance to go on? Well, I got to tell you, my friend, that's where the Easter story comes in. That's where the Easter story comes in. Because the Easter story isn't about Easter eggs and Easter bunnies and chocolate, even though I love chocolate. Cadbury cream eggs. Man, a touch of heaven, right? Good stuff. Good stuff. But that's where the Easter story comes in. 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus lived on earth. He was the son of God. He was God incarnate. He was the great I am. He was the alpha and the omega, the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. He was and is forevermore, will be the savior of the world. On that day, almost 2,000 years ago, on this day, almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from his tomb alive and well, victorious over death and hell. The fact of his resurrection by seeing his renewed life was witnessed at, by at least 516 people. Now, if his resurrection and renewed life had been recorded anywhere other than the Bible, then there would be absolutely no questioning its factual basis and authenticity as an amazing historical event. Did you know that there is more fact-based evidence of the, of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, more eyewitness accounts than there are of the life of Julius Caesar? That's a fact. But because everything is recorded in the Bible, people don't give it the credibility that it deserves. But it was recorded in the Bible, so people try to discredit it, try to say it was a hoax, that he didn't really die. There are those who actually say 
that Jesus was in a state of suspended animation. And when he was put into the tomb, the coolness of the tomb revived him. And he walked out alive. But the mere fact of its truth being disputed should give, it, should give us pause to consider its importance and meaning. You ever thought of it that way? Why is it disputed? Why is it, why is it disputed? Why is it such a sticking point for people? Why is it so, such a sticking point with, the point with people that they have hatred in their heart and want to wipe it out? Why? Why do so many people want to discredit the event and say that it was just a fairy tale? When more than 2.2 billion people around the world will celebrate Easter today as the pivot point of their faith and the pivot point of history, why do people just try to discredit it and discount it? Why do people celebrate Easter but not celebrate the Savior of Easter? Why? Well, I believe it's because of its true meaning. The purpose of Jesus' death. I believe that Satan sends a strong delusion and causes people to ignore the truth that stares them right in the face. Because if Jesus' death and resurrection are discredited, then all the claims of his life mean absolutely nothing. Do you understand that? If, all, if Jesus' death can be shown to be uh, a fake, a hoax, then all the claims that he made in his life are discredited. Well, what are these, those claims? And why are they so important? Why are they so vitally important that people try to erase his claims from history? Here's some of the things Jesus said. Some of the bold claims that he made. He said, you must be born again. He said that in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, one of the smartest, one of the, one of the most uh, intelligent leaders of Israel in the law. The law of Moses came to Jesus at night because he didn't want to be seen with Jesus, right? And Jesus said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus didn't get it. He said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born? And Jesus said, that's not what I'm talking about. You've got to be born of water and the spirit. You've got to be born physically and spiritually. That's a bold claim. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life. And he added to that, not only I have come that they may have life, but they may have life more abundantly. Bold claim, saying that he can change your life. Do you understand that? Jesus claimed that he can change your life. He can turn your life on a dime and take you from one direction and set you in the other and give you a life that you could never imagine before. Jesus said, you will know the truth. He was speaking of himself. When he talks about the truth, he's talking about himself. He says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Remember, this is, he's speaking mostly to a nation that is in bondage right now. The, the nation of Israel was in bondage to the Romans. And he's telling them, you'll know the truth. I'm not going to lead a, an insurrection to get us away from the Romans. But if you come and know me, the truth, I will set you free. Powerful claim. <clears throat> Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not like the world gives, 
Don't let your heart be troubled and don't let it be afraid. Man, how, how perfect, how tailor-made is that passage for us right now as followers of Christ? I said last week, I'll say it again. Science is not the answer right now, is it? Sorry, social distancing is not science. Okay? There's no cure for this. And people are terrified. People are terrified of this. So much so that they'll blockade themselves in their house. And they won't even go for a walk. They'll have somebody drop their groceries off at their door. So as not to have any human contact whatsoever. Fear has gripped them. And there's no answers. Except from Jesus. He says, I'll give you peace. I leave peace with you. Not like what the world is offering. Listen, come to me. Bring your burdens to me. Bring your fear to me. And lay it down here. I'll give you rest. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. I have the answer for you. And Jesus said, I am. This is probably the boldest claim of Jesus' ministry. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Strong statements that Jesus made about every individual that has ever been or ever will be born. They apply to us all. But why? Why do we have to be born again, as Jesus said? Why did Jesus come to give us life? Why do we have to know the truth and be set free? Why do we have to go by way of Jesus to get to the Father? And what about that peace that Jesus offers that is different from what the world can, get there, can give to us or offers to us? Why did Jesus have to die? And why is it so vitally important to every human being that he didn't stay dead, that he rose from the grave? Why is it that we don't celebrate Good Friday, the traditional day that he was crucified, but we celebrate the resurrection? Because that is the day that Jesus overcame death and hell. Let me tell you why. And let me, let me give this, this, this statement of faith at the very beginning. What I'm about to say, for those of you who watching us on Facebook, I believe with every ounce of my heart, my life has been all about this message. That's what I live for. That's what I've given my life to. Please listen. And, and enter into this, these next few minutes with an open mind. And, and see if there is some validity in your heart as to what I'm saying. Because Easter is not just a day to not do anything. Easter is celebrated for a reason. Jesus died on the cross for a reason. There's a purpose behind it all. It's not comfortable to talk about for many people. It's not comfortable to understand and to accept. But, but most things that are of, of great benefit to us in life make us a little uncomfortable at the beginning. The first, the starting place of all this 
is a very uncomfortable but undeniable truth. We are all sinners. Why did Jesus have to die? Why do we celebrate Easter? What is the purpose behind the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? It is this cold, hard fact. We all as human beings are sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That word all is completely inclusive. It leaves no one out. When Paul wrote those words, he was talking about all of humanity that had ever been born and ever would be born. Everyone that has ever existed in human form on this earth, except for Jesus, has sinned. I don't say that with judgment. I don't say that to attack you. I don't say that to blame you for anything. I'm just stating the truth of the word of God. An an equally uncomfortable truth follows that truth. Our sin has a personal consequence. It's not just the fact that we're sinners. It's that that sin has a consequence. In Romans 6.23 it says, For the wages or the payment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This week, those long-awaited checks are supposed to hit. They're supposed to hit our bank accounts. Those are something that we're getting because we are workers in America. It's not a handout. It's a give back. It's something that is, is being given to you because of the work that you've done. Because of what you have, what, what you have accomplished. It's tax money coming back. The Bible says the same way as you go to work and earn a paycheck... Your sin earns a payment. Like it or not, comfortable to think about or not, the fact of the matter is, because we are sinners, the Bible says we are separated from God. That brings about physical death, but it also brings about spiritual death. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus, right? You've got to be born naturally, and you've got to be born spiritually. You've got to be born physically in life if you want to get to heaven, You've got to be born physically, and you've got to be born spiritually. And the biggest biggest part of this Romans 6.23, the payment of sin being death, is the death of spirit. We are born in sin. We are born separated from God. And a third cold, hard fact that has to be faced, and this is probably to me, As I look at this, as I just look at the salvation story, if I just look at at the message of Jesus Christ, just, just looking at it analytically, I think this third fact is probably the coldest, hardest fact to accept. You can't do anything to change facts one and two. You can't change those two first facts on your own. You cannot do it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is gift of God, not from works, so that no one can boast. Many of you, you live by the the Ten Commandments. You live by the mantra of doing good to others and, and treating others as you would have them treat you. 
and you think that by being good and by acting right and by, by following the law and by treating others well and by all the good deeds that you do, you're earning up points with God and that when you get to heaven someday, he's going to weigh your good deeds and your bad deeds and hopefully your good deeds will outweigh your bad deeds so that St. Peter at the pearly gates will let you in. And if not, then you're going to go to this storage place called purgatory where you're going to have to pay for that, pay a certain amount of time of limbo. And then when that's all paid for, you're going to be led into heaven. You know, let me be honest. I'm not, I'm not being cynical. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm being honest. That's a real happy sounding story because the desire of humanity is that love wins and that everybody gets to go to heaven. But that's not the way the story goes. That's not what the Bible has to say. You see what I mean when I say it's a cold, hard fact and it's uncomfortable? Because the Bible says we're sinners. The Bible says because of our sin, we are separated from God. And the Bible says there are two eternal destinations, heaven and hell. And the Bible says as we're born, we are on our way to hell. And Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 tell me, I can't do anything to change that on my own. I can't earn it. I can't work for it. I can't be good enough to get to heaven. But this is where hope comes in. There is hope. Quite honestly, think about it. Whose standard are you going to use? If you're going to, if you think you're going to be good enough to get to heaven, whose standard are you going to use? There are parts of our country that differ widely on what is socially acceptable. There are parts of this world that differ wildly on what is socially acceptable and what is right and what is legal. So whose standard would you use? You can't rely on man's standard, on human standards, if you're talking about something that is eternal, and that's what we're talking about. So if we're going to talk about what is going to get us to heaven and get us back into favor with God, we've got to go by God's standard. It's only logical. There is hope, even though we are hopeless in our own sin. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrated his own love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the most famous verse in the Bible, you see it with uh, people at football and basketball games, even baseball games, they hold the sign up that says John 3.16, right? Well, John 3.16 says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. There is hope. There's hope. No, you can't do anything about your sin. You can't do anything about your eternal destiny on your own. You can't earn it. But Jesus died for you. Jesus paid the price. See, in Romans 6, 23, it says the payment of sin is death. Well, if you died for your own sins, you wouldn't be able to enjoy the freedom that they give. But there's a chain breaker. There's a freedom giver. And that's Jesus, because Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And then he rose from the grave to give you hope. Jesus paid the price for your sins. Nobody else did that. No other spiritual leader in the history of this world died for their own people. 
breaks down like this. We are the ones who have done wrong. I know, I know, I know, I know. People get so worked up about that. That's why I said I'm not being judgmental. I'm not calling you a bad person. I'm not saying you're Charles Manson-like. Saying we've all done things that are wrong. And we know it. If we would search into our hearts, we would, we would be honest and say, yes, I've done things that are wrong. We as human beings want to put it on a scale. We want to put it on a level and degree of badness. Siblings do that, right? Siblings compare themselves with each other. Well, I was rebellious, but geez, look at you. <laughs> look at the things you did. How many times did dad have to beat you? You know, how many times were you grounded? How many, how, how many, uh, how many times did you lose the car, right? Human beings, we, we put it all on scales and we rank our sins and what we think is good and bad. We're not as bad as them, so we must not be that bad. But God doesn't do that. With God, sin is sin. And sin all has the same price. So we're the ones that have done something wrong. We have broken God's law by sinning. And we've incurred the penalty of death, separation from God because of our actions. But God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to earth where he willingly died on the cross to pay the debt that we owed but couldn't pay. Right now, man, I I was talking with uh, Pete a little earlier about mortgages and I have one of those now. And it's, it's not scary, but it's like, wow, I've got to pay that every month. And now I understand the fear that many people have of, I can't pay my rent. I can't pay my mortgage. I'm not saying uh, we're, we're okay. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that with me, but I understand how it would feel if I, if I was in a situation where my job has shut down and there's no paycheck coming in. How am I going to, how, how am I going to keep my family in a house? Many people right now are struggling because they can't pay the debts that they owe. Man, that's the hopelessness that we have with sin. We owed a debt we could not pay. But Jesus paid that debt for us. Jesus died on the cross. He willingly gave up his life, knowing that his blood would cover the sins of all the world. The Bible says one sacrifice for sin forever. And then he spent three days in the tomb. And on Easter, he rose victorious from the grave, taking away the finality of death forever. That's the gift that God has offered to every human being, eternal life. Remember, we said uh, in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin or the payment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. There is a gift And that gift is eternal life. And Jesus Christ died to give it to you. But there is a catch. There's a condition. There's a qualification. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 13 say this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
There's a catch. Because see, many people would like to tell you that all roads lead to heaven. All paths lead to heaven. All ways of seeking, all religions lead to the same place. My friend, that's just not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says clearly that there is one way. It was the claim that Jesus made. Remember, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the claim that Jesus made. The catch is this. It's not automatic. It's not automatic. Yes, Jesus has died for your sins. He has paid the price for your sins. But in order for that payment to be applied to your life personally, you have to ask for it. You have to do something. You have to ask. It's not a work. You have to ask for it. It means humbling yourself. It means exercising faith in what you can't see and may have not believed until this very moment. It means being uncomfortable admitting that you have a need. However you want to look at it or describe it, the burden now falls on you. It's like Christmas. I use this illustration just about every time. It's like Christmas, right? Christmas is a big deal. We have eight-year-old twin boys. We have grandkids. Christmas is a big deal. With my oldest three kids, Christmas was a big deal. And as parents, Aaron and I shop for Gabriel and Michael. And usually Aaron shops. And Aaron wraps because if I wrapped, it would look like I wrapped. I'm not that good. And we shop. And, and we shop for other people. And we'll buy them a gift and wrap it. And we'll take that gift after being wrapped and we'll write to Gabriel or to Michael from mom and dad. And we'll put it under the tree on Christmas Eve. And on Christmas morning, they come down and they see those gifts. Now those gifts have been bought for Gabriel or Michael. Those gifts are intended for our boys, one or the other. Those gifts have their names on them. But they don't become theirs until they take possession of those gifts. Then they're theirs, man. And if they're like anybody else's kids, my boys break at least one present the first day. Right? Right? Man, that's what, that's what the gift of eternal life is like. You were the one in need of a gift. Jesus died on the cross and paid the price for your sins. He gave his life for your sins. He paid the price. The gift of eternal life is wrapped and waiting. It has your name on it. Jesus died for you. The gift of eternal life has your name on it. It's been purchased for you. It is intended for you. But it does not become yours until you receive it. 
How tragic would it be for someone deathly ill with the coronavirus? And if we had a cure, to say, no, I don't want it, and to lose their life. How sad is it that your pride or your unbelief will turn you away from the gift that will give you eternal life and rescue you from hell. When all it takes is the humbling of yourselves and realizing that you are a sinner in need of a savior and the price has been paid and the gift is being offered and all you have to do is say, yes, I will take it. Because that's what this all boils down to. That's what Easter is all about. Jesus died and paid the price for the sins of the whole world. But there are many people that will reject that. And die without Jesus Christ. You don't have to be that person. The Bible says that if you will confess your sins, that he will forgive your sins. And give you eternal life. All you have to do is accept it and receive it through prayer. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. If you're watching on Facebook, you can do the same if you'd like. And maybe as I've been preaching, maybe this has, has gotten to your heart and, and shown you that you are one of those people. You have, you've realized that you're a sinner in need of a savior. And maybe you've never come to this place before, but now you're ready. Or maybe you've heard it before and never been ready to accept it, but now you are. And you're ready to accept the message of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say a prayer right now that you can follow with me. You can repeat after me, but it's not simply about mouthing words. You must believe that you're a sinner in need of a savior and that Jesus died to pay the price for your sins. And that by, 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 by saying this prayer with an open heart, and a willing heart, then you are receiving the gift of eternal life. The Bible says that Jesus will give you that gift if you'll receive it. Oh, would you pray with me now? Dear Jesus, I realize that I am a sinner. And I understand that there is nothing that I can do on my own about my sin or to pay for my sin. I know that you died on the cross to pay the price for my sin in full. I believe that I must accept the gift of eternal life that you are offering to me. Right now, I receive your gift of eternal life. I ask you to come into my heart and save me from my sins. Thank you for your gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, then on the authority of the Bible, you have just become a child of God and you will spend eternity in heaven. Praise God. Praise God. I hope Easter has meaning to each and every one of us. And those of you who are followers of Christ and believers, 
in Jesus, I hope that this Easter has a real significance in your life, even though we're in situations and circumstances that aren't the best right now. But if you are here, if you are watching this morning and you received Jesus Christ, you prayed that prayer and received Jesus Christ, I would ask you to do one other thing. You don't have to. You don't, this is not about um, do, you know, dogging after you to get information or anything like that. But if you received, if you prayed that prayer and received Jesus Christ as your savior on the Facebook feed, if you're following us, you can just type in there, uh, I prayed. If you don't want to do that, you can send us a message. Uh, uh, you can PM me on Facebook. You can PM one of our pastors. You can send it to our page and just let us know that you prayed that prayer. If you want to get in touch with us and find out what you can do next to learn about Jesus and to learn about this new life, man, I'd love to talk with you. The Bible tells us, I read the book, the, the, the verses from Romans that say we can't go anywhere out of the love of God. Once you've accepted Jesus as your savior, you can't lose that salvation. John 10, 28 through 30 says that Jesus says, I've given them eternal life and they'll never perish and no one will ever take them out of my hand. So you're secure in that. But there's now a life to live and a life to grow in and we'd love to help you with that. New lifers, Thank you for joining us today. I hope your Easter is amazing. Thank you for those of you who are here to, to put on a, a, a worship service. And I hope, I hope you guys are blessed in your time today. Um, man, happy Easter, folks. He's risen. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege of worshiping you even though it's uh, either live or online, God. We are one in you. Father, I know that there are people that, that prayed and asked you into their hearts today. All around this world, God, people are, uh, pastors are preaching your gospel message. God, would you bring in a harvest of souls today? Lord, I pray. I pray that this will not be the end but the beginning. And I pray, Father, that we will, as Christians, as followers of yours, that we'll feel the need to dig deeper in our faith and to live stronger and more loudly in our faith so that others can see you and know. Father, take the fear away. Let us live wisely, but powerfully. And God, may we be your hands and feet and your heart to a world that is so terrified and so in need. Thank you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you gave. Still amazes me. Still amazes me. Would you bless us as we go? May we live for you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.